0: A listeners note: This series includes descriptions of violence, sexual assault, and grooming. It is not recommended for young audiences. The People v. Robichaux and Riley is an ongoing case. At the time of this episode's original air date, the defendants had not been convicted of any of the crimes alleged against them. Last week, we learned all about Grant Robichaux's rise from good old boy to big man on campus. I'm sure you're wondering how exactly does a school teacher named Sarissa Riley fit? into the picture. Allow me to turn the clock back about 10 years. From Justine Harmon and Audio Chuck. this is O.C. Swingers. Chapter 4, Samson.
1: She slept for years on a bench in a park She made some passes at Man in the Dark they began running along through the night When she began loving, they put up no fight
2: wedding invitation to
1: our wedding. wedding.
2: I'm Chad. And I'm Sarissa. And believe it or not, but after
1: five and a half, long, 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 but wonderful years, we are finally getting married.
2: Time the not.
0: Back in 2011, while Grant was finishing up his residency at UC Irvine, Sarissa Gilligan was engaged to an entirely different man her longtime boyfriend and high school friend, Chad Riley. Chad has bright blue eyes, blonde hair, which he wore buzzed short back then, and a huggable physique. He loves watching friends and going to theme parks and busting a move. He's basically a human labradoodle. What you just listened to was a small snippet from Sarissa and Chad's nearly 10 minute wedding invitation, which was sent to friends and family in DVD format. In the video, the couple dances in the streets, cruises in a convertible, rides the teacups at Disneyland, and recreates the, if you're a bird, I'm a bird moment from The Notebook. You're
1: a bird. Now say you're a bird too. If you're a bird, I'm a bird.
0: Yeah, the whole thing is completely, totally, almost unbelievably earnest. Sarissa, who was 24, had just graduated from Chapman University with a degree in dance and had dreams of one day becoming a teacher. In the meantime, she was working as an administrative assistant at a charter bus company called TCS and teaching dance classes to middle and high school students on the side. And in what free time she had, she and Chad were active members of the Calvary Chapel of East Anaheim's Young Adult Ministry Program. CCEA is just one of the nearly 2,000 churches inspired by the influential pastor Chuck Smith When Smith died in 2013, the Los Angeles Times described him as a biblical literalist who believed staunchly in hell, Armageddon, and the sinfulness of homosexuality. But from the pulpit and in person, the obituary continued, he had a disarming warmth. In the same piece, Donald E. Miller, a professor of religion at USC, describes Smith as theologically conservative, but simultaneously culturally avant-garde. The Calvary origin story is hotly contested. Back in the 60s and 70s, during a period of religious awakening often referred to as the Jesus movement or the rise of the Jesus freak, a Calvary follower named Lonnie Frisbee introduced Smith to a demographic previously ignored by Christianity. All of a sudden, drug addicts, inmates, and lost souls began showing up for Sunday mass asking for salvation.
2: God is blowing everybody's mind <laughs> because he's saving, he's saving the, the hippies. And nobody thought a hippie could be saved.
0: That's Lonnie in a clip from a 2005 documentary called Frisbee, The Life and Death of a Hippie Preacher. The film contends that Frisbee helped grow the church and then was promptly scrubbed from its history.
2: Lonnie was not wise enough to understand that people constantly wanted to use him for his anointing, and throw him away as a human being.
0: Frisbee, who openly used drugs and had sex with men, died as the result of AIDS in 1993. At his funeral, Smith likened him to Samson, the doomed biblical figure who succumbed to his own temptations. These days, the Calvary Chapel of East Anaheim's ethos could still be described as theologically conservative, yet culturally avant-garde. It's one of those congregations with a slick Instagram presence, stylish merch, and handsome guys in trendy button-ups singing catchy songs. But back in 2011, when Sarissa and Chad were heavily involved, it was still a pretty lo-fi operation. I found a video called Don't Waste Your Life in which a young, scrawny pastor named Tony stands in front of a carpeted stage and calls on his congregation.
1: All right, so let's share with one another here. What did you want to be when you were little? And are you doing that? Why or why not? Corey? what did you
0: want to be? A congregant named Corey says he used to dream of becoming a mailman. Rachel says she wanted a job at Disneyland. Lorenzo had his designs on the Blue Power Ranger. Then Tony calls on Sarissa, Sarissa? who says she always wanted to be a teacher. Tony is pleased with the answer. He says, and And you you are going for teaching teaching somewhere in there. there. So So right right on. on. The exercise continues. Anybody
2: else, you're doing what you wanted to do or you're moving towards that, what you wanted to do when you're little?
0: Finally, around the 30-minute mark, Tony gets to his point. Don't get distracted from your true purpose. It's a fool's errand to be seduced by things like money, parties, and popularity unless you use them in the service of God. At the end of the day, you just can't take that stuff with you.
1: Can I say that if at our funeral... All that is spoken of us is a description of how much money we had, what clothes we wore, how extravagantly we ate every day. If that's all that's said, and then there's just silence in the room, that's it. If that's what happens at our funerals, can I say we
2: wasted our life.
0: On Saturday, July 16th, 2011, surrounded by members of the church, Chad and Sarissa exchanged vows at the Casino San Clemente, an event hall where Judy Garland reportedly once performed. The bride wore a ruched, strapless gown and something blue heels and clutched a bouquet. Chad and his groomsmen matched in tidy heather gray vests, and they fastened burlap boutonnieres to their lapels. There was a dessert table decorated like a vintage carnival and piled high with cookies, pies, and cupcakes. In pictures from that day, Chad and Sarissa looked like the wholesome, happy couple they used to move empty picture frames off a shelf. But the fairy tale didn't last. Chad was gay and had been all along. In 2013, against Sarissa's fierce protestations, the couple separated. When the charges against a handsome doctor and his pretty girlfriend broke in September 2018, the media wanted to know more. Newport surgeon breaks bad, sure, but former evangelist divorcee dance teacher turns sexual deviant? Now that's a story. At the arraignment back in October 2018, Sarissa's sister, Taylor, addressed the press.
1: She has been nothing but a wonderful sister,
0: niece, daughter to our whole entire family. She's a loving and kind person, she's a Christian, she loves God. Sarissa stayed quiet. During early proceedings, she looked miserable. Her coal-lined eyes welling with tears, her pretty mouth turned almost comically downward. In the press, she was portrayed as a femme fatale, a beard, a vixen, a temptress. Outside of court, she was icy, resolute, unreadable.
2: The best we could do is photograph them, probably yeah, arm's length, shout a few questions. They never responded, never responded. And that was about as close of an interaction I could ever get from them.
0: Vicki Vargas is the Orange County Bureau Chief for NBC4 News, NBCLA. She has been covering cases like this one for 37 years and is one of the most celebrated veteran TV news reporters in the area. She estimates that she did about a dozen stories on Robichaux and Riley, and always felt like she was chasing after a ghost.
2: You have this incredibly beautiful couple who look like they could own the world and are needing for nothing. And now the backdrop of how they lived their lifestyle, I think is what got everyone's attention. You know, if this were a couple of people who didn't look like this, who didn't act like this, who didn't come from Newport Beach, eh, it's, you know, a terrible thing. But because they are, and because he was this bachelor with his persona, I think that's what people perceive to make it newsworthy. We did a very good job of trying to get some background, and truly those who might defend them to talk to us. We were told Sarissa Riley was some sort of substitute teacher, could never find out where. Found an address for her in Brea. knocked on doors, had curtains drawn, nobody answers. So I thought, we probably have the right address. And really could not narrow down what she did for a living, whether she lived with him or not. If these were roommates, which the neighbors claimed they were of hers. So there were a lot of disconnects in the beginning uh, as we were trying to do our own background on this. It was difficult to get a true sense of who they were before this happened.
0: Isn't that weird?
2: Perhaps, but some people are pretty smart and don't want to be out on social media and other public places.
0: Though I've spoken to several people with intimate knowledge of the relationship between Grant and Sarissa, few are willing to go on the record with me for fear of repercussions. One person told me that, quote, a lot of people don't want to say anything because they've been around something, they've seen something, they partook in something. Some responded to questions and then sent legal language, clearly provided by lawyers. Others would only speak to me in exchange for anonymity. Grant and Sarissa's digital presence appears to have been impressively scrubbed from the internet. At the time of this recording, both the civil and criminal cases against Grant and Sarissa have yet to be resolved. So here's what I was able to find out after months of deep research, the help of private investigators, public and sealed documents, and more than a few unanswered DMs. Sarissa Laura Gilligan was born March 9, 1987 to Laura Leah Irwin, who goes by Lori. Lori was 23 years old when she had Sarissa. Sarissa's dad is a guy named Jeff Vargas, who was once the drummer in a new wave rock band called The Chums. The Chums were actually kind of a deal for a minute. In 1985, the Los Angeles Times wrote about the group, which went from beloved jam band to finding some rotation on Orange County radio stations. Jeff has stayed in the picture, but was never a real love interest for Lori. They were best friends who hooked up, someone close to the family told me. Her dad's very much in her life, he's a great guy, and he loves Sarissa a lot. So she has no daddy issues or anything. On February 6th, 1993, Lori married a guy named Michael Irwin while pregnant with their daughter, Taylor. The following year, the couple welcomed a son they named Tanner. Sarissa and her half-siblings share the same wide-set eyes and chestnut hair. A friend told me, Her family is a good, normal family, Christian. But that union didn't last either. After a decade of marriage, Michael and Lori separated when Sarissa was 16. A year later, when Sarissa was a junior in high school, Michael filed for divorce and requested custody of their two children, saying that he had grave concerns about the children's welfare and safety. At the time, Lori was living with her boyfriend, Scott, and things were rocky. In a petition for a restraining order filed September 16th, 2004, Lori accused Scott of pushing her over a box in a large suitcase and causing injuries to her neck, back, wrists, right breast, and ribs. She said he'd stolen her ATM card on multiple occasions and was planning to purchase an AK-47. "'I am afraid of Scott,' Lori wrote. "'He is involved in the use of methamphetamine and is drinking more and more alcohol. His behavior has become very hostile and unpredictable. I do not feel safe, and I want protection for me and my children.' After mediation, Lori and her ex-husband, Michael, settled on joint custody. With Scott, Lori had her fourth child, a son named Jake. One friend remarked, "'Kind of crazy for a Christian family, huh?' Despite the turbulence at home, Sarissa continued to work hard in school. "'She likes to do things right,' the same friend said. She was involved in student government, drama, and on the cheerleading squad. After graduation, she attended Chapman, a private university located about four minutes from her childhood home. According to the same friend, she was a great student. She was a great dance teacher. She was a great dancer. She was a good Bible student. She would get it done. Sarissa also deftly toggled between the religious and secular worlds. For her 21st birthday, Sarissa's parents teamed up to take her to Vegas. In matching pink t-shirts, she and two friends from high school drove down to Sin City with Vegas or bust written on the back windshield. Okay, so it wasn't exactly Girls Gone Wild. They wore boas, danced on bars, played the slots, and drank Irish car bombs. Scott, the boyfriend against whom her mom, Lori, had taken out a restraining order a few years earlier, came along for the fun. Through it all, her commitment to God and the Calvary church was resolute. Together, the group threw elaborate theme parties and went on trips to the county fair and a place called Bass Lake, where they participated in a group baptism. Packing lists for these trips often included things like quarters for showers, spending money, and modest swimwear. When I click through what seems like hundreds of Facebook photos of Chad and Sarissa and their friends diligently practicing choreography and religious scenes, praying with their heads dramatically bowed, or taking group naps on a hostel bed, I can practically feel that giddy buzz that comes from sleep deprivation, prolonged intimacy, and a singular shared goal. Chad and Sarissa also became involved with Hook Outreach, a performance ministry that lured in onlookers with a spectacle before switching the messaging to Christ. The group's biblical motto came from Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 2019, Chad's mom told the Daily Beast that the idea was to have something odd happening. So people who were down and out like homeless people would stop by and they would have a chance to evangelize. A former member of the ministry who did not wish to be named sent me a link to one of the pieces the group liked to perform called Everything. In the skit, a young woman in a t-shirt and leggings goes through the motions of life while a Jesus-like figure nurtures her and provides her food. Then from stage right, A figure dressed in all black enters the scene. He grabs the woman's hand and dances with her. Jesus looks territorial, pissed. Then other suitors enter the scene, flinging cash at the woman, which she crouches to collect. Another comes around with an invisible bottle. The woman tilts her head back and drinks. Then two women zhuzh her hair and measure her waist. The woman makes herself vomit. Two more figures arrive and show her how to cut herself. So she slashes her arms. One by one, each figure appears and then deserts her. The woman puts a gun to her head, but right before she pulls the trigger, she throws it aside and lunges across the stage toward Jesus as the dark forces literally rip off her shirt. At the very last moment, Jesus throws himself over her like a cape and vanquishes the others. The woman stands up, he brushes her off, and they hug and leave the stage in each other's arms. Sarissa and Chad traveled to Budapest to perform everything and other skits multiple times. In a 2010 story that appeared in Calvary Chapel magazine, Sarissa is pictured performing in a crowded town square. She is playing the role of that young lost woman and dressed casually in a blue zip-up sweatshirt over a yellow t-shirt and kneeling in front of her friend Andrew, who is wearing a sign that reads Kudark, or failure in Hungarian, around his neck. Sarissa's hands are clasped and her mouth is stretched into a grimace. She was super passionate about redemption, a church friend told me. When Chad came out in 2013, just two years after their fairytale wedding, the news sent shockwaves through the ministry. The couple had waited so long to get married and had committed to staying pure until they did. She was in a relationship with someone who didn't know how to love her as a woman, a friend told me. Rumors began to circulate. Church leaders offered counseling and Sarissa prayed for a miracle, a friend said. But after the arrest in 2018, Chad told the New York Post, She fought hard to win me back. I told her, I cannot be your husband anymore. After Chad left, friends say Sarissa became disenfranchised with the church. She was so wounded, one friend said. She was disappointed in God. So when she matched with a cute doctor over Tinder, her friends were happy for her. They bit their tongues as Sarissa's Facebook feed morphed from goofy youth ministry group shots to bikini-clad boat rides and dusty neon-lit festival selfies. She just disappeared in that world for about a year and a half or so, one said. When Sarissa met him, they went off in his family and his life in his house. She quickly became a regular plus one at work dinners, events, and lavish weddings where Grant and his expansive network of friends were often front and center. If Sarissa felt out of her depth trying to keep up with her new boyfriend and his group of doctor friends, she wasn't copping to it. Obviously, it was a little scary, a friend told me. He was a party boy, which was different for her. He was a little rougher around the edges with that. That was a little red flag that I received in the beginning. It wasn't a red flag that he was bad, just that she was fearful a little. And then I never heard anything ever again. And it didn't always feel like she'd succumbed to some sort of temptation, not in the overt way it was depicted in the skits she'd performed anyway. Grant loved her physically, something she'd never had from a male companion, and he pushed her to follow through on her childhood dream of becoming a teacher. I know Grant has expectations, the same friend told me. I remember he said, you can't move in with me until you get this degree, or you have your own career. And she was working very much toward that. As recently as 2017, Sarissa was taking classes at Cal State University Fullerton toward her goal of becoming a high school dance teacher. My name is Sarissa Riley, and I am pursuing a teaching credential in physical education. I have very little experience in teaching ELs. A couple years ago, I substituted for the Fullerton School District, which is a kindergarten through eighth grade district. In 2004 and 2015, Sarisad found limited part-time work as a substitute teacher in the Fullerton School District, where her Aunt Robin is a special education director. In 2014, she made $1,577 teaching, and in 2015, only $199. More than anything, she was interested in sharing her love for dance with young people. I have been teaching dance to adolescents for seven years now, and I absolutely love this age group she wrote for a class presentation in 2017. This is the age where they, not their parents, choose to try dance, start dance, or stay in dance. I also love the adolescent age group because they are still moldable, discovering who they are and what they like. When she danced, Sarissa became a different person. In a video posted to the Vixen Show's official YouTube channel in 2017, Sarissa is practicing choreography to the Christina Aguilera song Vanity. Wearing black yoga pants and a sports bra, she combs her hands through her long, dark hair, shimmies her shoulders, and smiles widely into the camera.
1: In rehearsals, she was always full out. We always noticed that when we did our Broadway show. I noticed that because she was next to me in the song we did, All That Jazz.
0: This is Kia Sisawa. He created The Vixen Show, an ensemble group that regularly performs at a gay restaurant and nightclub in Santa Ana called Velvet Lounge. Kia met Sarissa through her ex-husband Chad.
1: Chad and I have a dance group called the Vixens and Foxes. We do like big, old like cabaret-style shows. This is how I met Sarissa. I mean, I've been doing it for years. When Chad was in it, a few years later, he had asked me if I'd be okay with bringing, at that time, his ex to join the group to perform. And I was like, oh. Chad's like, you know, she's a singer, she's a dancer, she's just like me. And I'm like, are you okay with bringing in your ex? Because, you know, how I met Chad, Chad is gay, but Chad was married to Sarissa before. I went in with trusting Chad and having her join. I loved her voice.
0: I loved how she commanded the stage. Sarissa was a triple threat. She could dance. She could sing. And though she wasn't exactly alpha in her day-to-day life, she didn't feel like she had to be big, Kia told me. She had major stage presence. There was something else that Kia noticed. Even though, in exchange for weeks of rehearsals, performers only received a stipend and pooled cash tips.
1: Rather than kind of waving a dollar kind of thing for our performers, because we don't have time to grab money, we, you know, had a fun game. Like, shower your performers with cash. So, like, you know, the audience would, like, roll up dollar bills into, like, little balls and kind of just throw it on stage whenever
0: they felt like it.
1: And then we also had a stage manager that kind of just collected them all and then gave it to the performer for that show.
0: Sarissa took the job seriously.
1: During rehearsals, we don't necessarily ever really go 100% full out until we have to record it, you know, to film it for to review later when we're at home. But when we're just learning and running it over and over and over for several hours, you know, we're trying to save our energy and whatnot. Sarissa was not the case. She was always going full out. And... I took that as someone who was, like, in it to make sure that she was great, but also it was, you know, the work ethic was incredible, you know.
0: The last show Sarissa performed with the Vixens and Foxes was a Lady Gaga tribute show on June 21st, 2017. Around the 42-minute mark, Sarissa takes the stage in what looks like jean shorts and a blazer. Kia sent me the show link. She doesn't have any choreography or props. It's just her and the mic and a Lady Gaga song about a sexy bartender in Nebraska. She nails it. May not have been as outwardly outgoing as some of the other women in Grant's social group. She was weird, a former doctor colleague told me. She didn't really talk much and she kept to herself. But her ability as a performer gave her an edge. She knows she's attractive, a friend told me. Mentally, for a little naive thing, you jump into this world where everyone's hot and you go, My God, I must be hot too. And in a competitive social environment largely dictated by men with money, keeping people interested is half the battle. According to prosecutors, Sarissa used her feminine wiles to her advantage. She would flirt with girls, dance with them, and make them drinks. One friend I spoke to said Grant would often go home with a woman and leave Sarissa at a bar to play the field on the outside, then try to bring more girls home for him. In his first press conference, former DA Tony Rakakis implicated Sarissa as a skillful recruiter.
2: Women who've encountered these two might have felt a false sense of security due to the fact that both defendants are clean cut, good looking. We tend to trust doctors who take an oath to do no harm. Second defendant being a female is key. A woman purporting to be his girlfriend clearly played a significant role in disarming the victims and making them feel comfortable and safe.
0: This portrait didn't sit right with Sarissa's friends and loved ones. She's not a sex weirdo, she's not a drug addict. She partied like a normal person probably would, a friend told me, before conceding. I mean, being in the Christian world your whole life, and then maybe getting into the party life or the Newport Beach Grant life, I don't know if that excited her or changed her for a little bit. Either way, on December 28th, 2017, her old life was officially behind her. Sarissa and Chad finally got their divorce paperwork in order. In documents filed with the Orange County Superior Court, The same court currently tasked with the criminal case against her. Sarissa asked to be rewarded from their marriage $500 worth of kitchenware, a queen-size bed, a leased Mazda CX-5, and $18,612 held in a school's first federal credit union checking account. Just the day before, Deputy DA Michael Carroll had reviewed an affidavit in support of searching Grant and Sarissa's Newport home. The report now included testimony from a third victim, a woman who said she blacked out after Sarissa served her a single drink and woke up to find a naked Grant spooning her. This woman told investigators, The girl is the worst one. She drugged me for him. She drugs women. They've done this to other people, and he is going to do it a lot more. Next time on OC Swingers.
2: The Orange County District Attorney says videos found on Robichaux's phone suggest the couple could have assaulted several other women together. Did you see this case, Thousand Victims, good-looking doctor, good-looking girlfriend as being a potential publicity vehicle for you? I certainly expected it to get a lot of publicity, yes. There's a deep... I would say beyond grudge. I think, I think there's a hatred between those two men. And it wasn't enough to beat Tony. I think Todd wanted to bury him.
0: OC Swingers is an AudioChuck original, executive produced by Ashley Flowers, and created, written, and reported by me, Justine Harmon. It was produced by Josh McLaughlin, editing and sound designed by David Flowers, with additional research and fact-checking by Barbara Keene. Special thanks to Michael Carey, Anne Deibel, and Anna Hendrick of Quest Investigates and Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. So Chuck, do you approve?